You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about home decor. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? I wanted to share about some board games that we have been playing with Plum. We asked for board games for her birthday, and all of the relatives were happy to oblige. And there are some that we really like and some that we really don't. So (laughs) the two that have been hits for both parents and child are Zingo, which is a bingo type game, Mm -hmm. and Hoot Owl Hoot, which is a cooperative game where you have to try and get all the owls back to the nest. Mm Mm-hmm. I do not recommend the Daniel Tiger board game. Okay. Plum loves it. As previously discussed, she's obsessed with Daniel Tiger, (laughs) but it's a little complex for a young three-year-old. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of sort of parental management that needs to happen with that, Mm -hmm. which makes it less enjoyable and more annoying (laughs) to play. Is it one that she can play with all the pieces on her own in a successful way? I find my kids often like to just get out board games and play with the cards or move the pieces or have their own situation happening and that it can get a good 15, 20 minutes of self-entertainment without any parental involvement. That is a good idea and something that we should try given the Daniel Tiger love that exists Mm -hmm. throughout her whole body. (laughs) It might be something that would work well for her to just do on her own. But I'm not about it, so I worry about getting it out and then her being like, you play it with me and me being like, no, Mm -hmm. I really don't want to do that. I love that you're talking about this because we've also been playing more games and it's one of these things where I really want my kids to love playing games because Neil and I love playing cards and different board games. Right. But the enjoyment factor isn't always high across the board as you've discussed. So finding (laughs) that sweet spot of wanting to encourage it and develop skills and do things as a family, while everyone's still having some level of fun. The ones HP's really been loving are Uno and War. Mm. He learned to play War at school, and that's one I remember playing as a kid. Totally. My numbingly uninteresting for adults. (laughs) Yep. But also sort of nice, because you could be having a conversation and doing other things and doesn't require a lot of thought. True. I've been doing where I set a timer, and we'll play with him for 15 minutes, and then I move on to something else. Because, as you know, it could go on forever. <laughs> yep. The other nice things about these two are that E can also play. Mm. And she doesn't have as long of an attention span as HP does for them. But she can play with him. So it doesn't always have to be a whole family event when we do it. Nice. But with Uno especially, it has been nice to have some games that we can all play together. And listeners, we would love your recommendations of games, card, and board variety that work for the ages of our children. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What is your latest book? I recently finished Kindred by Octavia Butler. And this is a time travel book about Dana, an African-American woman who is living in 1976 California. But she gets summoned to the early 1800s every time one of her relatives is in trouble. Okay. And it's a fascinating premise, fascinating characters. I really loved how vivid the descriptions and writing were. But the thing I liked most about this book is that it made me think a lot about cultural and literary narratives around slavery, especially, and how 
what I have been exposed to as a white woman maybe doesn't cut it in terms of some of the realities there. Yeah. And it's just really awesome to have this different perspective. And also it's really complex because at first when you hear that description, you think that she's going to be summoned by one of her ancestors who is an enslaved person. Mm -hmm. But no, it's the white master Mm. who actually is her great, great, great grandfather or something. Yeah. And so there's this really striking contrast between this person who has all this power and is cruel and needing him to be alive right? so that he can father her ancestors and so she can be there. And so mm. just really complex, fairly intense of a read. Yeah, it sounds very heavy. And it is pretty violent because more than half of the book is in the 1800s. And so you're watching what's happening to these people. This was my first Octavia Butler read, and I am planning to read Parable of the Sower, which is another of hers for another book club later this year. But I'm really looking forward to discussing Kindred with our virtual book group, which is coming up just this weekend. So overall, I would recommend it because of how much it challenged me, as long as you keep in mind that you are signing up for something really intense and pretty violent. Yeah. What have you been reading, Sarah? I finished reading There Is No Good Card for This by Kelsey Crow and Emily McDowell. I love Emily McDowell's art. Yes. That is how I first heard about the book is through finding things on her Instagram feed and then realizing that she also co-authored this book. And it's beautifully designed. Her artwork is a huge part of it. And it's not just words. It's also beautiful graphics and ways of putting things together. Awesome. So we already mentioned Emily McDowell, but her co-author is a mental health professional who runs empathy workshops. Mm. So her whole job is getting people together in groups to work through a lot of the things that they put together in this book. So there's also a lot of feedback from those groups and specific scenarios that were really helpful and insightful. That sounds awesome. As the title suggests, it offers concrete suggestions of what to do and say when the people in your life are experiencing a hard time. Mm. It talks about illness, talks about divorce, losing a job, losing a child, a parent, someone close to you. I wouldn't say there was anything groundbreaking for me in reading it, Uh that a lot of it was confirming things that I already know and have learned, sometimes the hard way. Uh Right. By messing up. Exactly. And I appreciate that they spend a lot of time acknowledging that, that it's really hard to know what to do. And a lot of us make these kind of empathy mistakes. And here's how to move forward from those and to not let that stop you from trying. Uh-huh. A couple of the phrases that I really loved that were in there is adequate is awesome. Love it. <laughs> Don't let this idea that you need to do the perfect thing or a huge grand gesture stop you from doing anything at all. And along with that, the idea that something is almost always better than nothing. Mm. The last takeaway that I think will really stick with me is thinking about what your individual gifts are and how you can best serve somebody in your life that is going through a hard time. Mm. So if you love to cook, that's great. I feel like that's one of the ones that comes up most often is providing meals for people going through a hard time. Sure. But not everybody can do that joyfully. So think about the things that do bring you joy because then you'll be more likely to do them. And I appreciated that broader idea of what you could offer to people. And there were lots of lists with concrete suggestions for things. Mm, Sounds so helpful. Yeah, it was great. 
I would highly recommend it for anyone, really, because even if you're not currently in relationship with somebody going through a hard time, you will be at some point. And I think it's productive for all of us to spend some time thinking through how to respond in those scenarios in a way that truly supports those that we love. Definitely. Our main segment today is about home decor. Let's start by sharing any particular style or philosophy you have when it comes to decorating your home. Probably the closest name for my home decor style is traditional, but I have to confess I would not have known that except that I've read some design blogs in preparation for this episode. (laughs) Tell me more about what that means, because I don't know what to envision when you say traditional, because I have not read said blogs. It seems to be sort of this catch-all thing that is not minimalist and not industrial and not Mm -hmm. modern and not shabby chic or rustic. Okay. It's that sort of in between mm-hmm. style, pretty basic. If I were to describe my own personal style further, it's that I like things that are comfortable and functional, both in terms of furnishings and home decor. Mm-hmm. I like decor with meaning. I don't just pick something because of its stark beauty or something like that. You know, most of the art that's in our house has some sort of personal meaning to us. In general, I have a lot of wood, both finished and painted, and in fabrics, I like things that are really soft and cozy, and I love mixing patterns, especially florals. There is lots of blue and green and cream in my house. (laughs) What about you, Sarah? In many ways, I would say our home resembles the look of a recent graduate. (laughs) (laughs) I aspire to an uncluttered look that's still cozy. Home decor is one of those areas where I know what I like when I see it, Mm. but it's hard for me to start from a blank slate and know what to put there. Interesting. And our house has mostly been cobbled together based on what we've been able to find secondhand. We've moved many times and sold most of our stuff. So then when we arrive someplace, there's a sense of urgency in having a couch or a table. Sure. There isn't as much thought that goes into it as finding something functional in a short span of time. I like the phrase that you used about things being comfortable. That really resonates with me because I want a minimalist look in terms of it being easy on the eyes and not overwhelming, Mm -hmm. but not in terms of stark or industrial or some of the things you think of with a minimalist design because that feels too cold to me. Mm. I love all kinds of wood. I feel really sad that the trim in our house was painted Mm. because our neighbors have the original trim and I just think it looks so beautiful. Interesting. But as will become even more clear as we continue, (laughs) home decor is an area where there's lots of room for growth for me and I don't have a really clear sense of my own style at this point. One of the big pieces of home decor is the furniture in our homes. How do you approach finding and choosing furniture to fill your space? So with a few exceptions, those being that we splurged on big furniture purchases, so a sleeper sofa and a chair when we bought our house in Nashville right before we got married, Mm -hmm. and rugs, which I buy new because I have not had good luck with Mm -hmm. buying used. Most of our things have been gifts or hand-me-downs, which I love because Hello, secondhand wins. And also, in many cases, which we'll talk about a little later, they have more meaning that way, I feel like. Mm -hmm. 
I also love a good buy nothing furnishing. Our coffee table is a buy nothing success story that I have shared on the pod in the past Mm -hmm. and Craigslist, which is where we got Plum's current bed frame. We also love secondhand wins when it comes to furniture. Mm -hmm. Most of our stuff has been found on Craigslist, the side of the road, or given (laughs) to us by a family member. (laughs) I agree with you on rugs. And we also feel the same about mattresses. Yes. We just have not had luck finding those used. And I think those are the only things furniture-wise that we have purchased new. Mm. So much of our stuff has come into our lives out of necessity in a crunched time frame. And then once we have it, it's hard for me to want to put the effort into upgrading it and the time and the money. So once we have it, unless we're moving again, we're probably going to have it for a long time to come unless something fortuitous happens in terms of a gift or finding something at a garage sale that we can swap something out. Yeah. So you're saying you're not just going to upgrade something because of how it looks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very much function over beauty. And I feel mixed about that, but mostly okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how we have acquired our furniture pieces. But do you have any particular favorites? So about five years ago, when we were in our first house in North Carolina, we replaced our Ikea dining table and chairs with one that my mom refinished Mm. that had been in my dad's house when he was little. That is one of my favorite pieces because it has all of this family energy around it. And it's Mm -hmm. this beautiful long table with really beautiful chairs and wood grain. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just amazing that it was in our family. And then my mom did all this work to make it look even more awesome. And now it's our family table that we eat around with our kids every day. And so that holds so much special meaning for me. And in a similar vein, we have a cabinet that I think is called a butler's cabinet, something I also Googled in preparation for this episode. But essentially what it is is like a tall, skinny sideboard that we use to keep Mm -hmm. glassware like wine glasses and stuff in the bottom. And then it has shelves on top that we sort of have set up like a bar. Okay. And it is sort of in our dining area as well. Andrew's mom found that piece for us and it was banged up. I think she called it a primitive piece. She knows much more about (laughs) decor than I do. But it was sort of this dark green painted color. And so Andrew and his dad did some repairs on it. And then he painted it bright red for me for one of our anniversaries Mm. when we still lived in Nashville. And so that piece has been with us a long time. And I just love the history of it. Plus, it's so very functional. Mm -hmm. And because of the depth that it is, it fits really well in the small spaces that we've lived in. And so that's just another piece that I really love. Do you have favorite furniture pieces, Sarah? In terms of one with family history, like what you're describing, I really love that we have the family bunk beds that I've mentioned before on the podcast. And these are ones that my dad built for my brothers when they were little. And then I slept in them for a long stretch of time. And then now my kids use them. In the kids' room, we also have two beautiful small dressers that are the perfect size to hold all of the kids' clothes. And they Mm. match. And they came from Neil's family. Really, the kids have the the nicest nicest furniture in our house. Lucky them. (laughs) Indeed. Outside of their room, I really love the dresser we found in a dumpster in Austin. It's one of the few things that were worthy of making the move here to Bloomington. And same with a long low shelf that we found on the side of the road. And it has been perfect for holding all the kids' stuff, that everything is just the right size for baskets of toys. Oh, yeah. 
and feels very Montessori in that way where it's easily accessible to them. Mm -hmm. And that's when we found even before HP was born and has been with us, maybe the longest of any piece of furniture (laughs) that we currently own. Love it. What about the decor aspects of our home? Things like art, curtains, plants. How do you approach adding those elements to your home? So with home decor, I really love doing a lot of the things myself, Mm -hmm. whether that's sewing curtains, which I've talked about before, or framing things that are especially meaningful for us. We've also received a lot of these as gifts. Mm -hmm. I've talked before, I think, about how Andrew's mom, one of the things she does is has things professionally framed. Mm. So we have a really beautiful print of the Duomo in Italy, which they brought mm-hmm. back for us and then picked this perfect wood frame that is right in my style wheelhouse. And it has these blue and cream colors. So that's the focal piece of our living room. Mm-hmm. And then another favorite piece is a paper cut of the Weasley family tree done by a friend of the podcast, Katie Mack, Mm -hmm. that I bought for Andrew for Christmas and had framed years ago that is still hanging in our bedroom. So things like that that have meaning are what I like best about home decor. Mm -hmm. What about you for sourcing your home decor pieces and what are your favorites? This is an area where I feel like some really beautiful things have come to us, Mm. but I have yet to learn how to seek them out. Like you, I love the pieces that I have that are done by our friend, Katie. I have two embroideries, one that says Huga that she designed for me, one that says Welcome to Our Home, Let's Smash the Patriarchy that I have in our kitchen. (laughs) Love it. And another one that celebrates Wendy Davis, who is a politician in Texas, when Mm. she was standing up for abortion rights back when I lived in Austin. The other piece I love is a painting that's done by Neil's great-grandma. She was a wonderful artist, and there are many of these in different homes within his extended family, Mm -hmm. and we were able to get one a few years ago and have it in our dining room. And I just love that it's something that someone in his family made who is so talented and Mm -hmm. it's just a beautiful piece of art. That sounds awesome. The one area where I have very recently started to invest is in houseplants. Oh, yeah. The day before my birthday, I decided I just want some plants. I want beautiful pots to put them in because that was a big barrier for me that I had a couple in plastic pots and they were the kind that you could divide and make more. Oh, yeah. But then I didn't have any place to put new plants. Sure. So I went and said, I'm going to spend money on this. It is worth it to me. And I did. It felt awesome. I loved it. I have so many plants in beautiful pots right now and planning on getting more. I also love plants. The only place that it is safe to have them with the cats Mm. who will eat them Mm -hmm. is on a tall shelf in Plum's room. So we have sort of a little jungle garden in there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I'm all about. But I would say I have been surprised by how happy I am about the plants, given how little attention they actually require. Yes. Yes, every time I look at them, I love them more. (laughs) And the kids have really enjoyed them. They like making little nature scenes where they want to move them, where they want one part of our house to look just like nature. It's like, don't even worry. We're going to buy a lot more plants and then every room could look like nature. (laughs) I love it. So that's a look at what we love about our current home decor situation. But do you have anything in particular you would like to change or upgrade? 
This is not exactly decor related because it's not something that you really see, but I would love a new mattress on our bed as well as a new mattress on our sleep sofa. Mm. I've seen these sleep sofa mattresses that have an air mattress on top that you only have mm. inflate it when you use it, which I think could really improve the comfort level and like not feeling the bar of the sleep sofa yes. when you're in that bed. Is that easy to trade out? I always thought it was one of those things where if you had a sleeper sofa, you just had what you had, but you can change it out, apparently. I think so. I think as long as okay. you get the dimensions right, because I've seen mm -hmm. several of these newer type mattresses on Overstock, which, you know, is pretty mm -hmm. easy mm -hmm. kind of thing to do. So that is in our future for sure. Given that we don't know when and if we're moving. Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably do the mattress delivery situation at our next place. Right. So we are on the old mattress until then. But I am looking forward to the day where we are sleeping more comfortably. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've also been contemplating a mattress upgrade. Ours is rock hard. I don't know if I've talked about that on mm. the podcast before mm -hmm. or not. Ours is actually a futon mattress that's oh, yes. queen size because we like a very firm mattress. But then those get more firm over time oh, as do they? they get packed down even oh, more. Oh, sure. Makes sense. Which on the one hand is okay, but I'm contemplating getting a topper to put on top so we mm. can still have it be very firm, but with slightly more comfort added to that. So that's something I've been looking into. Nice. So Sarah, what aspect of your home decor would you most like to change or upgrade? I wouldn't say that there's anything I'm particularly unhappy with in our house, that when I walk into my home, I like my home and I like the way it is. But in a perfect world, there are a number of things that I would change. I would love to have a new dining room table. I would love a better bookshelf in the living room. Right now, we just have a board and then two little brackets that come out <laughs> that holds it up, which is fine, but it doesn't look amazing. And I would also love to make a platform bed for us. Right now, we just have some slats on the ground that keep it up off the ground so it doesn't get moldy, but uh -huh. I would like for it to come off the ground a little bit more so we don't look like graduate students with our bed on the floor. <laughs> right. It's fine. It's fine. But it hasn't ever been enough of a priority to make any forward progress on it because other things have always seemed more pressing. I hear that. Maybe over time, we'll make those changes, but not imminently. This is in the same vein. What would you say are your home decor aspirations over the next 5, 10, 15 years? I think in general, it's to have less stuff that needs to be stored somewhere so that there is a little more open space both in our home and in our lives. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think with kids, it's a constant battle of getting rid of things and more stuff creeping in, especially with little kids where it feels like they need a good amount of gear. Yes. In the next five to 10 years, I love the idea of having, clearly there will be toys, there will be clothes, but having it all just feel a little more manageable mm -hmm. and a little more like we can choose the things that we really love and not just have things around that don't necessarily serve my decor aesthetic, mm -hmm. but because we want to have a high chair for the baby to sit in or whatever. <laughs> Right. I think that is so hard. It's hard when they're little because of all the gear. But then I'm discovering as my kids get older, 
they have a lot of opinions about what they want to be keeping that does not align with what I want to be keeping. Of course. I also think then there can be a lot of boundaries about it's fine if you want to keep that stuff, keep it in your room. Right. That it doesn't need to be out in the living space. And if it is, it's probably going to get recycled or put in the trash. (laughs) We've had that conversation a number of times. I like to consider myself a minimalist, but the stuff just keeps coming in. It really does. I obviously think the trade-offs are worth it of having a full house of people that I love, but it does make (laughs) it harder to achieve the ideal home decor aesthetic. (laughs) Definitely. I think my overall aspiration is to slowly upgrade things like the furniture and finding a few decor pieces that fit my aesthetic and being on the lookout for them. In general, I feel happy about where I live, but if I were to look at my home with a critical eye, I can find a lot to criticize. Sure. But I don't think it's affecting my happiness because I love our space and that isn't what's most important to me. It's hard for me to want to invest the time because I hate shopping and looking at things (laughs) and trying to decide what's best. I also hate spending money because I find it painful, which means that it's hard for me to want to make those upgrades because I know the work that goes into it and it's never been worth it to me. But I think I'd like to just have it in mind so when those things come up Mm -hmm. over the next decade, then I'm ready to pounce on them and bring them in as opposed to just saying that nothing will ever change. Yeah. And I think some of that is that it takes the energy, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. to be on the lookout, especially if you're looking for things used. That it's not just like you're going on some website or you're going to some store to find Mm -hmm. a new couch. It's like, no, there might be the perfect couch, but there's some energy required to keep your eyes open for it. Yes. And then how do you hold that balance of, I'd like to change this, but then also appreciating and loving what you have? And I think it's hard to hold both of those thoughts at the same time. And I have leaned towards in this busy season of life to just say, I'm just going to love what we have now, even though I know it's not perfect. But I'd like to slowly move to being more open to change in the coming years. It seems like a fine line. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Keep the expectations low. (laughs) I think that wraps up our discussion about home decor. We would love to hear about any amazing secondhand wins you have, things that you love in your home that you'd like to share with us, or any advice that you have to offer. Let's end by sharing something we've been eating. I want to talk about stuffed French toast. Neil got cinnamon chip bread on sale Mm. at the co-op. And at first we were just eating that plain. But then one night I didn't feel like making anything on our meal plan, (laughs) as (laughs) happens. And I decided that we should have French toast. And one thing I used to do in high school was put cream cheese between them. I think I had it at a restaurant and then decided it was an amazing idea. Mm Mm-hmm. This time I decided to Google recipes and saw could even up my game even further. So mixed cream cheese with some regular sugar and powdered sugar. So it got really fluffy. Ooh, yeah. And then you spread that between two pieces of the cinnamon chip bread. The recipe called for adding more things to the egg mixture. I think it said evaporated milk and maybe more sugar. I just did eggs and milk and a little vanilla per usual. Cooked it up. It was very rich, very sweet. Very delicious. (laughs) No regrets. Sounds delicious for sure. Yes. What have you been eating? I also want to talk about a breakfast food 
this is a biscuit breakfast casserole that we will link to that our neighbor made. And we just heard this little knock one morning on our door. And there she was with a third of this casserole on a plate. And she said, we thought maybe we shouldn't eat this whole thing. (laughs) And we said, no problem. You've come to the right place. We will gladly eat the whole thing. So what it is, is biscuits from a can cut up, Mm -hmm. eggs, sausage, and cheese, and maybe some milk and seasonings and things, but it's pretty basic. Mm -hmm. And I think she said she put it all together the night before and then just baked it in the morning, which is nice Mm -hmm. for a breakfast thing that you can do. But it baked up into this delicious, dense, sausagey, cheesy, biscuity situation. It was a huge hit with everyone in our family, especially Plum, though, who had already eaten breakfast when our neighbor brought the casserole and had more breakfast because it looked so delicious to her. And then I think she also ate it for lunch that day. Yeah. So it was a hit with the three-year-old, and I plan to make it again. It sounds like the Christmas casserole that our family makes, only instead of bread, having the biscuits. And I am very intrigued to try it as I love biscuits. I love that casserole can only lead to good things. Yeah. (laughs) I would say it is, I preferred it to the soggy Mm. bread strata. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's because she baked it better and I don't usually bake mine long enough or wet, Mm. but the texture to me was preferable to the breakfast strata. Interesting. Gonna have to investigate. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Her artwork, her artwork, her artwork. I don't know that I described that well, but I'm going with it. Um... Was good enough. Yep. (laughs) That's like the story of my life lately. That's good enough.